If you have your Bibles uh, on Luke chapter 2, uh, I, uh, you see in the, in the uh, worship guide that I was going to speak on Jesus, uh, you know, good news of great joy, uh, one of the strong kind of sentences here. But, you know, as the Lord would have it, you know, as I was working through that, we decided on that a little while back that I'm still going to stay with this text, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different kind of a focus of breaking the text up in in three different sections uh, and just speaking to you a little bit uh, on that, maybe from from a way that that speaks both to the uh, historical and the existential qualities here. Um, of this text in so many ways. So if I may read with you, if you found uh, your text, it's going to be on the screen as well. Uh, from chapter 2, I'll first read uh, the first uh, eight verses and the first seven verses, and we'll, we'll go from there. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. And he went there to be registered along with Mary, who were engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in the cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them or in that place. You know, that has to be one of the saddest statements in that whole story of the coming of Christ. There was no room for them in that place. Of all the kind of things we could say, of course, here this is a historical statement, but more than that, there's so much more to be said about this, even on the existential level that speaks to us. Too often, we get busy with other things. And if I may say that, on my last Sunday here as your as your pastor, uh, don't do that. That's, you know, shortest way of, of saying that, maybe. Already from the beginning, we have this highlighted, that this is not just a statement of what happened then, but almost like a parable of what can happen even now. The situation was pretty clear, right? The, the uh, the Caesar or, or the, the reigning um, power, if you will, uh, of all the empire had made a, a decree that everybody needed to be, be counted uh, for tax purposes. And so he, he let everybody go uh, to the place of their origin. And so this was great travel season. This was great days. You know, if you were in the hotel industry... Uh, or just private enterprising, trying to rent out your rooms, or, you know, anyone who was doing that, anyone who was kind of trying to sell a little extra food, anyone who was trying to do anything, this was the time, right? Yes? 
And so everybody had a good argument. After all, we need to look out for our family, right? So let's really kind of lean into this and make every single dime that we can on this. This is it. Who in the world cares about a couple of poor people, even if one of them is, is pregnant? There's so much more actually to be made out of this situation. And so it becomes so easy that we become so busy with all the things that seem important that we don't really have room for that that truly is important. I trust when you read that sentence from now on, you see the depth of sadness that, that is here. And just think of this this way, right? It, it is always us, we who do not have room for Christ. You know, he, he says it pretty clearly, even in Revelation, as you come to the very end where the resurrected Lord is speaking and says, Behold, I stand before the door knocking. Anyone who opens the door and let me in, I will come in and I will dine with them. That word is not that I'm come in and have a quick burger with them. That word is the dwelling word, the long time word. I will be there for the whole long time, way into the night, as these late meals always were. So let me just encourage you when you see this here to think deeply about the power when we get really, really busy. I, I spoke about it a little bit last Sunday, dealing with Herod and, and, and his place in the whole story. But, but here we see this from the owner of the inn. I was just reflecting a little bit more on that, if you start thinking about it a little bit. You know, when they come in here, it's a young couple. She's pregnant. They need a room. Obviously, they need a room. It doesn't actually say they're going to a specific kind of inn. It, it, the word here is brought. They came to this place, and there were no rooms uh, anywhere, right? So all the Airbnbs were gone, too, so to speak, right? Um, but think of this. For someone to make room for them, they would have to rearrange some stuff, right? There, there was fair enough. Room for taking. But imagine, how can you miss a moment more than this? That you just look at your own, instead of saying, hey, here's a couple, and she's pregnant, and she's right about to give birth. We need to move things around. Think about that also in your own life. That is exactly what happens when Christ comes. you got to move things around, friends. There's not room for all the other stuff that takes up space. Some things have to move to make room for Christ. It is often, too often, because people focus on the things that are not important that they don't find room for that which truly is important. And if you think, yeah, you know, I don't know about all this. Some of you are probably skeptical, right? I mean, it happens a lot. I, I had an experience just the other day that, that most of you probably have never had. So I was invited to, uh, to have lunch with, with a couple of, 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 of people that, that, uh, that I happened to speak their language and, and those who knew them here did not. 
And so I had lunch with her. I sat down. We spoke in their language. And I said, I want to do something. You may not be accustomed to this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask for the Lord's blessing on our food. And that's why I pray. And afterward, one of them said, I have never in my life heard someone pray in my own language. You don't find the typical 23-year-old say that around here, yes? What I'm saying is the eternal message of Christ, and I'll tell you more about this story, but, but right now I just want to focus on the power of that message, ancient as it is, and current and present as it is. You know, if you had been in, in uh, Rome, when they just built the Colosseum, beautiful as it was, glittering, marble all around. Those of you who have seen it now, you've seen the ruins of it. But these early kind of things, that the way we, we know it existed, some people say it would crowd in up to 50,000 people who were cheering. When they let in, you know, little poor Christians, most of all the Christians that were there were slaves and poor servants in the worst of ways, and they were just feeding them to the lions and enjoying that kind of menagerie where they were just torn apart just because they wouldn't let go of their faith. And if you sat there among those, you would have concluded naturally in your mind the Colosseum, the power of Rome, the power of this gorgeously built, gorgeous building would stand forever. This little scroungy group of people with a testimony about someone who died but rose again, they will soon no longer exist. Are you getting this? The power of this? Now if you go there, what do we have? Some rubble, old bricks laying around. And yet there are no more it has been no time in history where more people have confessed the name of Jesus than right now. That, friend, is what happens when people make room for Jesus. It changes the world. And just think about it. There's, there's a lot. You can find biblical examples of that. And I, I don't want to belabor this long. Just think of, of a man like Zacchaeus, right? Whose whole life was turned upside down when he made room for Jesus in his house. Think about, think about Martha and Mary, Lazarus, whose lives were changed by the presence of Jesus. Think about the man who owned the upper room where, where Jesus had his last, Lord's, uh, his last supper with his disciples. Everything is changed when people make room for Jesus. Even, even someone like Simon the Pharisees, you can read about him yourself. Just Google it if you can't find it in Scripture. A Pharisee who really didn't like Jesus invited him to his table didn't invite him like everybody else. There was no washing of his feet. There was no oil in his hair. And yet, everything changed because he made room for Jesus. Can we look on, on the next uh, part here in verse 8? And we'll go through verse 14. And just a couple of thoughts uh, also with this. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. 
Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped and wrapped tightly in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of, he- uh, of the heavenly host with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to people he favors. Peace on earth. I don't know if any of you were able to open any newscast, whether you're doing videos or streaming or, or regular newscasts or looking at other things or reading or writing, whatever it is. We need peace, yes? In the worst of ways. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, but I do want to say that, I do want to say that when you turn to Scripture, peace is so much more than just absence of war. Peace is so much more than just shouting out in a, in a demonstration uh, far, far away. Peace cannot be a slogan that you just cry from the bedside saying, give peace a chance. Peace, in the biblical sense of that word, is central to everything and all things in human life. It speaks to all aspects, friends, of life, including, of course, the things that I just mentioned. But it's about world order. It's about terrorism. It's about violence. It's about bullying, whether you're in a place or it's online. It's about our families. It's about our homes. It's about our marriages. It's about our kids. It's about our friends. It's about us, us ourselves. Peace includes all things, all aspects of our lives. And because of this, you can't ever talk in any kind of serious way about peace without involving the God who came to proclaim that very thing. And the first proclamation we have of it comes right here in this strong sense. When your whole multitude of angels sing it out. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all in or among all people who he fa- whom he favors. Just think of this for just a moment. Can we dwell on that just a second just to see the power here? Peace, friends, cannot be demanded. Peace cannot be legislated. Legislation may change some externals, but it will never change people. We cannot reduce this to just a sense of peaceful, easy living, if you will. True, genuine peace is something else. And the Christmas story centers on this very thing that is given. Peace is something that is giving 
to people when they hear the story and accept the story of the one who came to grant us peace. It, it, it's everywhere. Don't, don't miss this. You'll see it right here in the text. It's a sign. And this shall be a sign that you shall find a child in a manger. Are we seeing this? That, that the sign of genuine peace is brand new life. You know, people nowadays, and always actually, I shouldn't say nowadays, uh, want to think if, they, if we can make ourselves the gods of our own lives, then we might find peace. That's nothing new. Even Caesar Augustus were trying to find language for his people to call him like that. But friend, the gospel is not that men can become God, but that God becomes man. That's the gospel, and we see it right here. There shall be a sign, and you will find a child. In other words, peace is another word for the salvation that God brings. In fact, in the biblical language, that word used here indicates the total sum of all the blessings that come your way when God genuinely and truly becomes your Savior and your Lord. It, it's said all over the place, and you can't miss it. Even if I go back 800 years before Christ and look at Isaiah, it puts like, he puts it like this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation. Different words for the exact same experience. It's also why Paul can begin his letters by saying, grace unto you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a well wish that is being said, and you can find the scripture again and again. Go in peace. Another way of saying, be well. It's about all of us. The whole of me, the whole of you. It's about all people living in harmony, not just with themselves, but with each other. And that's why we can never find true peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Peace finds its origin in what happened right here in this text that we just read. When God gave his son to that world that he loved. Glory be to God in the highest and peace on earth among people or in people that he favors. You know, if you're like me, that always bothered me that he added that last thing, right? Like, are there privileges here that we, we just don't really want to say? But the real point is not that. The real point is that the qualifier is there to say that this doesn't happen outside of a relationship with him. He always wanted that relationship. Question is, if you are willing 
to receive it. Peace on earth. And that brings me to what I want to just round the whole thing up where we're going to do this somewhat quickly. Verse 15. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditated on them. And the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Mary treasured these things up. How do we preserve the presence of Christ that is so clearly announced to us during this time? You know, we're just, some of you are wrapping up, packing up, and putting things down already in 10 days from now. You know it is. Some of you can't wait till it's the 27th. You can start doing that, yes? But how do we preserve that? Well, Mary tells us here, and, and it's, so much, it's not so much that she understood everything and all the ramifications that were there because of, of what she heard from the shepherds there. But she wondered. She kept it there, and she kept contemplating. She kept thinking and remembering. She kept meditating, as the text says. Shepherds, no different. Just think about it here. How do they keep the presence that they just experienced of this special event continuing in their lives? It said they went back to where they came from and they were praising and glorifying God. Just think of this. Can you imagine a more monotonous life than they had? Just sitting around looking at sheep. All day, hard-working, humble, just looking for what they have been given as their task in life. And suddenly, all of that changed, friends, completely. From being people doing just that, they were now people who are witnesses to the wondrous. Everything changed. And if you look at that background on Mary and the sheep, And you think about that. Maybe you can bring some of that into your own preservation of this presence of God and this walking with the wondrous even after Christmas is over and the tree and the beautiful things are packed down. There's just something going on here. Let me point to three things really quick. And you can take with you as helpers for that. This is my prayer that this will be the word. And I said that the very first Sunday I was here. I said it again when you asked me to stay yet another year. My prayer, my hope for this church is that people will be talking. Can you imagine what God is doing at First Baptist Church 
of Louisville. That is one bunch of people who loves Jesus. Just think of this. So first, let me say here, don't forget the source of true peace and joy. You know, Christmas is one at the same time, both the most spiritual and the most secular time of the year. It's spiritual because the focus is on Jesus Christ, at least it should be. And it's secular because we kind of bought into the lie that, that you know, stuff, things make us happy. And we know it's not so because true happiness, joy, and wonder comes only from God. It springs from the presence of God. So don't forget the source of true peace and joy. And then don't forget the place of God's revelation. This is what we learn from these, from these uh, shepherds right here. Where did they Where were they? Where did they reside when this happened? Right there at the very place. God met them where they were on the field. God is not some kind of long distance God that hides behind clouds or sits behind temple veils or is just imprisoned in holy buildings. God is always exactly there where we are because he wants to be God with us. Think about this. If you cannot find him here and now in this place, he will not be present anymore in any other place and at any other time. He's always there where you are. And then the last point, right? Not only don't forget the source of true peace and joy. Don't forget the place where God reveals himself to you. And which is right where you are. And don't forget. The significance. Of his coming. As I said so many times also earlier. It is so easy to domesticate these things. And we hear it so much. And it just becomes part of. Kind of whatever goes on this time of year. There's no way. The shepherds could possibly have recognized or known the full significance of what they saw when they came there. Angels were there and they walked in. You know, there was about a king. None of them had ever met a king. What do they know about kings? Much less had they ever been in the presence of one. But this child, that sign of God's feet, that child changed everything. Not only was he going to be the king of kings, He was going to be the one who reigned in people's lives. Millions upon millions upon millions around the globe. Not only for decades, not only for centuries, but for millennia, even in your life. Are we getting the power of this, friends? I hope. I hope we are. I hope that I will hear nothing other about You all, the First Baptist Church of Louisville, and each of you as well, that you are keeping the presence that is announced announced here throughout the year. And it will be just like with the shepherds.
that you will be witnesses of the wondrous so that others hear all that you say and they will begin to treasure up in their hearts and never forget as they meditate on who Christ is even in their lives. Friends, I don't know anything other than to say, can we just pray together? Stay, uh, stay, let's stand. Some of you need to grab someone's hand right where you are and pray with them. The one thing I always hope and pray, and I don't know that if you know this, but not only are we praying, obviously, for these, each service in very special ways, I pray through that. We have a membership list online that I can get to. So I pray through your names. Many of you I prayed for. I, I'm not even sure always who it is because not all of them have pictures with it. Yes? May that be what lingers. If God calls you to come forward here and kneel and pray and ask for a renewed presence, a renewed commitment from you, may that be. If you don't know who he is, make this time the time to commit. Lord, I ask that you will bless everyone here. Walk with them, Father, through not only this season, but through the days and the years and the decades that follow. There are some here, and I know it in my heart, that need to recommit to you in ways that are much more vigilant, much more strong than, than they have been. There are others here, maybe some of those who are listening also, who need to say, God, I need to find a way to call you Savior. Because so far, that may not have been the case. We would love to do that, Lord. Give us strength to point them out, to talk to them about this. Speak to their hearts. Those who need to say, hey, I want to have a place to walk with others. Strengthen me in my faith. Can be there when things feel like I'm in the middle of a coliseum and everybody's laughing. They can be there with me to give me strength and to firm up my testimony. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done and all you will do, even in this season. Amen and amen. And God bless you all. Uh, if anyone want to talk more, uh, we'll pray in just a little bit. We'll all meet and then we'll have a time to hug one another's neck. But right now, the invitation is open to come here.